Hello and welcome. You've tuned in to the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Genesis chapter 21. Let me begin reading in verse 22. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phacol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring, or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of the seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, You will take these seven ewe lambs from your hand, that they may be a witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. I wanted to talk to you about the everlasting God, the everlasting God. This story of Abraham planting a tamarisk tree in Beersheba there he calls on the name of the everlasting God. And we see some of the different names that Abraham has already come to know God. The name of God is El Olam, everlasting God. In chapter 14, he's known as El Elyon, the most high God. And he's also known as El Roy, the God who sees me. Abraham has seen God in chapter 17 as God Almighty, El Shaddai. So those are just some of the names. I know that you're familiar with them. You've heard of the, some of those names of God before. They speak to us. They help us understand the characteristics of God. They help us understand who God is. And through this series of names, God reveals various aspects of his nature to all of the patriarch. He's telling us something about himself. He's teaching us something about him. Now, there's an interesting play on words here in this passage from Genesis 21, from 22 on, because it's the Hebrew word Shava and Shiva. We get the word Beersheba as the result, but Shava means basically to swear an oath. And Sheba means seven. So there's a, a little play on words, and because it's been 
translated, it's hard for us to get the idea of how they're using this different idea. Well, we're swearing an oath, and he's taken seven lambs, and he's used them to set apart and show this is the oath. So he's using that idea. We're swearing an oath seven times. It's sevenfold. Why is that? Why is that important? Beersheba, by the way, becomes an important town later on. It's in the northern part of the Negev, and it's the southernmost boundary of Israel. You've heard of people say, well, from Dan to Beersheba. So Beersheba's down at the end of Israel. And maybe you haven't heard that term, but that's what sometimes they'll talk about the entirety of Israel. And just like we say in the United States, from east to west, uh, east coast to west coast, that's kind of the idea from north to south. That's what he's talking. So he's using this term as here's an oath, and I'm setting aside these seven lambs. Why is that? Why is that important? This well of seven. And that's why sometimes in your notes in your Bible, it might say well of seven, or it might say well of an oath. Both are true because there's the play on words. It is the oath and it's verified seven times. And these little lambs were used to show that so that they would have that illustration. This was something that had come to pass. This is something that was between them. Abraham had made many mistakes in his life. There were sins. He lacked trust of God. Somewhere before chapter 20, Abraham lies to Abimelech in chapter 20, but about 25 years before, remember, Abraham lies about Sarah, his wife, in Egypt. And he says, well, she's my sister, which was a truth, partial truth. She was a half-sister. So Abraham didn't always trust God. He wasn't always looking because then, of course, we know the story how Sarah comes up and says, well, take Hagar, and maybe we'll have the promised seed by Hagar. Chapter 21, the first part of that, we have the birth of the promised son, Isaac, and his name is Laughter. That's what Isaac means. He's, he is laughter. He is that joy. Here's that promise of God that in their old age, God did follow and, and kept his word, and he followed through on his promise. And then we have another term because Ishmael mocks, and it's the same word as the name Isaac, and he mocks Isaac, but this is, has a negative connotation to it. And he's mocking, and so they remove the other son. They remove that child. They get him out of the way because Abraham did not always trust God like he should have. However, I want you to see there's a progression here. We're going to see how that progression comes. Now he's planted a tree. He's made an agreement with Abimelech. Remember, Abimelech had taken Sarah before in chapter 20, and had taken Sarah into his harem. And of course, God intervenes. And God shows Abimelech, wait a minute, this is another man's wife. You cannot take her. And Abimelech responds to God. It's in chapter 20, the first time the word in Hebrew, prophet, is used. I think it's about chapter 20, verse 7. Abimelech is told by God that Abraham is a prophet. And that's the first time that word was used in the Old Testament. 
Here is a prophet. So Abraham, this prophet of God, he recognizes the everlasting God. He's learning. He's growing. Something is happening in his life. He has seen how God has been faithful, and now Abimelech isn't quite so sure because Abraham hasn't dealt with him quite up and up. So now they're saying, okay, well, let's make an oath. Let's get an agreement here. As Abimelech tells him, Abimelech, and he's got his Phicol, the commander of the army, a witness. God is with you in all that you do. God's going to be with you, Abraham. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring, or with my posterity. Why is that? Because Abraham hadn't been quite forthright in the past. What does all of that mean? It's significant that the fact that Abraham plants a tree, he lives there, he sojourns there for many days. It talks about he's living in faith and security. Now he's beginning to trust God. All of that leads up into chapter 22, where Abraham is told to go and offer Isaac because he's grown now, much time has passed, and he's told to offer him. The passage certainly anticipates Israel's future peaceful coexistence in the land, that other tribes would come in, and actually this Abimelech is not a Philistine, and later on the Philistines come into this land, and so it was written that later generations would know that, that was the land where the Philistines would eventually come and live. But Abimelech is a Semitic name, the same as Abraham. So he's of that same tribe, that same region. And Abimelech is pressed for this treaty so that Abraham won't deal falsely with him because all he knew about Abraham was that God had blessed him. Sometimes he could be a little deceptive, and they're, they're calling for this treaty. And Abraham sets apart seven ewe lambs. Now he gives him more. He gives him lambs. He gives him sheep. He gives him cattle. But these seven are going to stand as an oath. Remember that 25 years before the king took Sarah. And so all of this had to be remembered. There were reasons that Abraham lied. Abraham felt like, I know that I've, I should just trust God. I know that I ought to just do that. But he did not. In chapter 20, verses 11 through 13, he gives reasons because there's terrible sin. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom was a horrible city, and they had no fear of God. And also in the city of Gerar, which is in this area, they also were known that they did not fear God. Now, also, Abraham feared that Abimelech would take his life would kill him for his wife. And his wife was actually, was his half-sister. And so he justifies lying. He justifies hiding their marital status. But Abraham did not need fraud. He didn't need to lie. He didn't need to do any of these things because God was able. That's why he's now come to the place of the everlasting God. We're beginning 2022 the first Sunday of a new year. Where are we? Where are we? Where's this church? You know, it was three years ago today that you asked me to come and assist after Brother Crawl left. Three years. No one anticipated that three years later I would still be here or that you wouldn't have a pastor. 
it's gone not as any of us had hoped. <laughs> I felt sure that this church was going to find a suitable man as a pastor very soon, and because I had disqualified myself, I at times have had to kind of step back so that you wouldn't look at me as the pastor. And so that's been a deliberate thing. However, I don't want you to feel like, you know, I don't love you, that I don't care, that this church isn't important. But it was because this church needs a pastor. It needs someone to come in and give leadership and direction. Well, that's where we were. No one anticipated how COVID would slow down all that this church could do. None of us saw this, what was coming about. And it's still impacting much of what we do today. And why, you know, sometimes we're, now we're meeting, and I'm glad we're able to come and sing some songs coming together, starting to get back into regular with our Wednesday nights. I'm glad that we've been able to meet back at five o'clock. And all of this, I think, is certainly a sign that we are in the last days. We are in the last times. You know, there was HIV and then hepatitis A, B, C, there was West Nile virus, all kinds of new strains of flus, superbugs that are resistant to the antibiotics. And now we have COVID and all of its variants. And that's attributed to these end time prophecies, these end time events. That's where we've been. That's what we've seen. What's happened over the last 10 years, 20 years? What is this church? What's, what's entailed? This church has a rich history as it was established back in 1961. And I remember as a young man, a very young preacher coming here because we were up at Woodbridge in uh, the Lodi area and having youth rallies and having fellowships and the ceiling was still open and there was a wood floor. I remember so well coming into this church. All of those years, we can think about where we've been has God been faithful in years past? He's the everlasting God. That's what Abraham had to learn. That's what Abraham had to remember. God was the everlasting God. Where are we? What is the condition of the church today? From everlasting to everlasting, we need to see that our future is uncertain, except that God is from everlasting to everlasting. We can remember the great commission that this church has. It has been commissioned to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. This church has been commissioned to go forward. And even though today with all that's happening and it seems like there's, it's a harder time than ever, the great commission has not been removed. Carrying the gospel into the world, carrying the gospel into our homes, into our neighborhood, carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ so that men and women, boys and girls would understand what it is to be born again. You see, his promises can be counted on. That's why I wanted to look back and see a little bit about where Abraham was. And Abimelech didn't quite trust him. Now, we're living in a day and age where our young people are not too trusting. We're going to look at that and examine that a little bit. How do we reach them? What this church needs to see that there are some directions that she can take, but it's going to take a united effort, and it can only be decided with every member 
committing, with every member taking part, with every member voicing their opinion. This new year is a time to assess what's been done and think about, has it been worth the effort? Has it been worth the time? Has it been worth the effort? There have been some terrible losses. We've had some very good brethren. Brother Pat Christian went to be with the Lord. Sister Polly Dotson. We had regular visitors, Sister Gloria Escobar, Sister Hortensia Moreno. We were doing home Bible studies with Brother Bob and Sister Hortensia. Those are Brother Larry Tejada's family members. They've all gone to be with the Lord. But there have been recent additions, Sister Nancy Drews, Sister Rachel Zamripa. So God is still doing, and God is bringing people. We're glad to have our visitors, our regular visitors, and people coming here. So what is God doing? There's an online ministry that has grown from this church as a result of COVID, because we had to end up going online, had to do so much through Facebook. That's been a blessing. You realize now that as a result of many of the messages, there have been 22 countries that the gospel's been preached, and that people are listening. We've got new listeners in, in India and Italy, and I was trying to remember uh, Switzerland. And we don't know how many have been watching on Facebook. We go back and we can look at some of the analytics, the YouTube, because Brother Danny's been putting these on YouTube, and you can see the analytics. You can see the people are watching. You can tell how long they watch. <laughs> you can tell if they just click through or if they listen. All of those analyses are given. That's where we are. But where are we going to stay? Where are we going to be? We know the conditions of our society. This church has a decision. This church is a body. It's not a building. Sometimes you might feel like we're getting squeezed out of this area. That's all right. The church is a body. It's not the building. If you have to sell the building, that's okay. You can relocate. You can meet somewhere else. You might ask, can we find a pastor that meets the biblical qualifications? I think the church needs to redouble their efforts in praying that God send the right man. What do you see this church being? What are the great opportunities? It's a very hard path. It's going to require reaching out, maybe in new ways. Think about what's happening in our world, in our society. Do you know that in China, Christianity is growing leaps and bounds? But Christianity is still illegal in China. But it's small house churches, small house groups. They've grown. People are being led to Christ all over and over. And I wonder if China isn't being blessed because the gospel is going forward so much. But not only there, in India and Pakistan, Mongolia, they're seeing hundreds coming to Christ. The growth of Christianity in Indonesia, which is a solid Muslim nation, it's causing great persecution to those Christians that are standing up and saying, wait, I'm going to name the name of Christ. But the cause of Jesus Christ is growing. Like Abimelech in our reading, by the way, he recognized that he was blessed just by being around Abraham and having an assemblance. And that's what he said. God is with you in all that you do. This is the Lord's church. This church has that beautiful heritage that goes back to the seashores of Galilee when Christ called out his first disciples. And in our society, people, especially young people, in our society, not around the world, 
they're leaving Christianity. But they're not going anywhere else. They're not joining other churches. They're not joining other religious groups. They're just going out after the world, following after the world, the pleasures. Those that do attend are sometimes are looking for the very best show that they can find. Some of them are just looking for a show. And where can I go that I don't feel too bad? Where that preacher never steps on my toes. I remember Brother Christian one time, I said, we walked out and I said, Pastor, you preached, you stepped all over my toes. He said, that's too bad. I was aiming between the eyes. <laughs> Sometimes that's where the Word of God has to hit us directly in the, in the head, in our mind. We've got to recognize it. And sometimes people don't want to feel bad when they hear the gospel. We come away thinking, well, Jesus is just like me. And instead of having a biblical view of Jesus, he, Jesus would really probably do what I would do in this situation. And so there's no discipline, there's no correction. And many young people do not trust. They have a problem trusting today. The reason is there's so much misinformation. Do you realize that some years ago, some of us that are a little older will remember when the news had to have fact checkers. I can't get my words out those that would check the facts. And sometimes you would hear on the national or local news, they said, oh, we said this, but we need to retract that. You know, that's no longer the case. That's why you don't hear the news say, oh, we reported this, but that really wasn't the fact. Because the Supreme Court said that news and news media did not have to give two sides of the issue. That's when shock radio started. <laughs> And it birthed that shock radio in our view of the news. Now you can look online, you can see every idea in the world, and so not everything is true. You have to look. You have to investigate. You have to see it. Well, what's happening is our young people mistrust. They're not sure. Where is our everlasting God today? Well, the answer for Abraham in his uncertain times is the same answer for us today. We need to carry on the basic truths. We need to carry on the truths that would have been once set for the disciples, that foundations of our faith. And you know, we can come back and we can show fulfilled prophecies. I was reading in Psalm 22 the other day. You realize in Psalm 22, it depicts Christ being crucified and they pierce my hands and my feet. But it's 1,200 years. That was written 1,200 years before crucifixion. There was no kind of death where they pierced your hands and your feet. And then it ends up in chapter 22, in Psalm 22, that all of the nations of the world would be blessed as a result and would come and be brought to the Lord. Isn't that what we're seeing? Well, that's just one simple out of hundreds of fulfilled prophecies that let us know that the Word of God is true, that it's established, that you can rely upon it, you can trust it, you can base your life on the everlasting God. You can trust the everlasting God. And history teaches as society moves away from God, and our society is moving away from God, that it will become more and more violent, it will become more and more selfish, more immoral in ethical practices, more perverted in its sexual practices, more corrupt in government, more corrupt in business. 
That's what history has shown. Diseases will increase and proliferate through sexual contact, through homeless slums, where basic needs just aren't being addressed. The arts become more and more abstract and more and more bizarre. Those crafts, those things that were once made, people don't take as much joy in the craftsmanship of making things as they once did. And you can look back and you can see the downfall of, of Rome, and you can see all of those things happened in Rome, and all of them have happened in every society that moves away from God. This church needs to decide what direction they want to move. Doing nothing will only prolong a slow death. Every member getting active, beginning to do something. Where do you envision this church in a year? Where do you envision this church in two years, in five years of the Lord, Terry? Is it time to sell out? Is it time to just go and join another church, a sister church, or to huddle together and just wait for his coming, just say, well, we're okay. Me and mine, us four, no more. <laughs> we're okay. Some churches are growing because they're meeting basic needs in the neighborhood. People want to know that they're loved. People want to know that they're, have, there's friendship. Who this God is, we trust him daily. We believe in God daily. He is the everlasting God. Elohim, think about that. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If we don't see his hand and we don't see the strength and we don't see all that he's doing, then we need to recognize that he is the same in every action, in every area. Who is the God of Beersheba? The covenant that was made, the covenant that Abraham just relied upon. Then verse 33 says, Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. What did it mean to dig a well? Well, in a land that was dry so much of the year, a well meant you were going to be taken care of. A well meant that you had everything that you needed, and here he plants a tree. He's going to be there a while. You don't plant a tree unless you plan to see it grow. And Abraham plants a tree as a sign of the oath that he's now learned something about God. He's now learned something about who God is. Our everlasting God was the answer for Abraham in his uncertain days. It's easy for us to look back, and it's easy to say, Abraham, you should have done this, you should have done that. But he always was learning. And maybe you can look back in your own life, and you can say, boy, I wished, and the, I, could, I can say this, <laughs> there are things that I did that, boy, I wish I could go back. I wish I trusted God more. I wish I believed God more. But now, today, are you trusting God? Today, have you grown? Today, are you recognizing the everlasting God? God made Abraham some promises some certainties. This is the Lord's church. He has promised that he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. He's done that for individuals. He's done that to each of us. When, when we're with the Lord, we're bound with him. We're, we're secure in Christ. But you know that with the Lord's church, where two or three are gathered, there am I. 
I'm right there. I remember old Brother Smith, Leslie, Leslie Lovely Smith. He went to Oakland. For years he met, he had a building, and people would ask him, Brother Smith, how many did you have? Well, we had four. Me, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> did that for a long time until finally the gospel got out. And he finally made some inroads and other people were hearing. Do you realize that sometimes if we look around, if we might get discouraged, the Lord is here, the everlasting God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of eternity, the God that loves you, that became man so that you could have life because he lived the sinless life. He took our place. This oath, this covenant that Abraham made secured his place, secured his legal right to live in the land and to that that was his well. There's still a place today outside of Beersheba that they call it the well of Abraham. Now, whether or not that was actually the well that Abraham dug, we don't know. But that's the report. But the patriarch secured his treaty, his right to the well, and God would provide the blessings that were needed. Can we trust God? For many, it's tough days. It's tough days to see what our kids are going through. It's tough days to see what our loved ones are going through. It's tough days to see all that's happening in our world, to get so discouraged because we're not seeing what we would like to see, what we would like to see in their growth in Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, our God is the same. He is still the great good shepherd that he'll watch over us. He'll care for you. He'll take care of you. God made promises to Abraham and what assurance for this man of faith to know that God was going to fulfill them and would never pass away. God is that same God. He's made promises for us and he will fulfill them. Abraham learned to follow God more faithfully. What a blessing. What a blessing for us that as we learn to trust, trust him. All right, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's ahead, but you do. You are the everlasting God. You know from beginning to end, and you'll carry me when I can't walk. You'll help me when I can't go on. Abraham and Sarah sent Hagar away. But God even comforted Hagar and Ishmael. He blessed them also because of their connection with Abraham. And when God renewed his covenant with Abraham, he introduced himself as God Almighty. In chapter 17, he is God Almighty. He's not only the everlasting God, he is the Most High God. He is the God who sees you. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. What does it mean? that God is an everlasting God. What does that mean? What does it mean that God is the Most High? What does it mean that He is the Almighty? What does that mean, and what is God in your life? And I hope that as we have come to certain times and certain decisions, that this church decides what direction to go. I hope that you find hope and comfort and reason to praise God as we learn these names, as we understand that we can trust Him even more. And I hope that this is the year that we'll say, wait a minute, we've got to go forward. I believe that reaching out and having more home Bible studies 
we begin to bring people in because then the neighbors will come. Then you can bring this one and that one. And sometimes they're afraid to come to the church. And they are free to ask questions. And they feel free. But that means it's an effort. It means we've got to do something. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. What will 2022 mean for this church? That's something that everyone needs to be in prayer. Lord, where would you have us? Where would you have us? I know this is a different kind of message, but most of all, let me just ask, if you're here without Jesus Christ, we always want to give that opportunity to share with you from the pages of God's Word, the Bible, that you can have everlasting life. Or maybe there's just something between you and the Lord, and we're going to have an invitation and invite you to come and kneel in prayer. And just consider whatever your need might be, just between you, just between God. But I want to call this church to pray, to pray for a man who will lead you in a godly way that will lead you to go forward in the cause of Christ, that you can reach out to many young people and show them that the Bible is trustworthy. You can believe it. You can base your life on it. This is the everlasting God. He is revealed in the pages of God's Word, the Bible. Can you trust Him today? Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed the message. We trust you have been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions, or perhaps you have questions of a different topic, let us know. Our information is given on the website, or can reach us at sclministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. is no longer